Hello and welcome to the Coffee and Hustle podcast. In this episode today, we're going to be discussing Cyber 101. I'm Carla with Design by Carla and joining me on this podcast discussion is Jared Hardy, Chief Executive Officer, uh, CEO uh, with Zeiston. Um, so I'm going to give a little background of Zeiston, right? Sure. So you guys were founded in 2019 mm-hmm. and you guys are like like real nerds, right? Yeah. So you guys are DOD software and cybersecurity engineers. That's right. So give me a little bit of background of what this company and what you do. Sure. So the main focus for Zeiston is what an area of cybersecurity, which is this huge field. I mean, so one of the things I've, I've certainly noticed um, around Huntsville and in general, and it's nobody's fault, but cybersecurity is this huge buzzword. Maybe it's still going around. Maybe it's dying. I don't know. I'm in the I'm in the space, so it's kind of hard to tell if it's. I think it's still a buzzword. Very. I think it's definitely a high buzzword. Mm-hmm. I think it's a definitely a, one of the things that we can identify different companies. But I do know that there's different kinds of cybersecurity, right? Oh yeah, okay. certainly. Okay, so what what is your major thing that you do with Zeiston? Right. So the area of cybersecurity that we exist in, if we follow what the NSA says, is cyber operations. And they said that is a field that is born in computer science, electrical engineering, and computer engineering. It's those three disciplines. Um, they use that for some of their like accreditations and if you're like actually have background in cyber operations. So what we do in cyber operations with those skill sets is called embedded systems pen testing. And so what we try to do on any given particular piece of technology, essentially anything that's maybe not like your laptop or something that a human would interface with, but an embedded system that might be a, uh, a hardware rack that exists inside of a silo with a missile, maybe um, something that does some geometry inside of a submarine, or maybe it's a little cell phone tower booster. It doesn't matter. All different types of embedded systems that we will go in and open it up, pull firmware off of it, which the firmware is the environment that the software runs on, mm-hmm. and find vulnerabilities in that firmware. Okay, so... I, I, being that you you talk about all these things, but what is the the primary aspect? You still work with like a lot of commercial businesses, and you're also in the government sector. Mm-hmm. You are now, and am I hopefully I'm saying it right? You're hub zoned, right? That's right. That's about, now, what does that mean to you in this business? So you're right when you say we're certainly on the commercial side, and we want to get more into the government side. Okay. So one of the things we did was become a hub zone. And the reason why that's advantageous is because the government has set aside contracts that they set aside for hub-zoned companies, which can be kind of, um, it's a very good uh, sort of title to have because it means that you and your company and a certain threshold of your employees live and operate inside a historically underutilized business zone. So the goal there is to try and establish these tech companies or any kind of company, really, but in particular, tech companies that are hub zone are very, very good. Um, and try and have those tech companies bring in money to those underutilized business areas. So, what type of commercial businesses have you been working with right now? Like, what what does those industries look like for you and in, in your business? Yeah, sure. So, a lot of what we work with today is actually Silicon Valley customers. All of our work is coming out of the West Coast and the California, Washington area, which we're proud of. It's certainly um, a little bit of a feather in the hat for us because we know that that side of the industry often helps the government say, you know, where what's the future look like? Um, an example of that is Agile, the Agile development process, which is just 
if you haven't heard of it, it's just the way that companies will develop their software. It's like the cadence at which they develop their software. And I'm oversimplifying it, so somebody out there who knows a lot more about it is probably, you know, screaming. But yeah. um, we know that with embedded systems pen testing, they it's a whole industry out there. Um, there are entire companies that that's all they do. And these are probably, I think, 80, 100, 200 employee companies that have these ridiculously high rates that bring in this very unique skill set of the cybersecurity world and do that pen testing against their products. And so we're here in Huntsville. They happen to find us, and we started doing that work for them. And we're looking in our backyard at MDA and the Redstone Arsenal and the FBI coming and think, well, we need to be, you know, doing this for our neighbors. Yeah, for the local area that we're growing because this is Rocket City and the amount of jobs coming here and the industry is growing mm-hmm. and the businesses need it for that. So even though you're in the you're you're in the commercial sector right now and you're trying to get into more of the government aspect, that's right. You're you're moving into this area and this is a great area to grow that business. Now, you started this business in 2019. And it and you just said that COVID, when that happened, that was like, oh, yeah. what what did that do for you? Like, what happened during that process? Yeah, so it was really tough. So, and I can't take credit for um, Zeissen entirely. I have a couple other co-founders. There's uh, three of us total. Um, it was tough because in 2019 we had our commercial work and we said let's bring this to the Rocket City and let's go out and interface with people and say hey this is what we do. And you, you may need it too, you may not, but you should be aware of it. It's a new, maybe an unknown area of cyber to the Huntsville community. Um, and we were getting some traction there. And I think anybody who knows uh, to be an entrepreneur or to start a company, a lot of that work is getting out there and talking to folks and hitting the ground running and building connections, establishing relationships. Yeah, that face-to-face interaction is so important, especially when you're new to the community. Mm-hmm. You just got to know where to go and where to do and probably was you know that is probably what happened with my business too when I first came here mm-hmm. um, I had been in, in the industry for a very long time but I didn't really know anybody here either right and it was just getting out and meeting people right. and just not necessarily selling yourself right but just getting to know people and that was important so I can't even imagine you starting your business in 2019 and then COVID starting and now you're here. You're still here. Right. We made it through and the other side. you're very grateful. I <laughs> yeah. think you're pretty happy with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so you guys just finished the Cyber Summit. How was that? And yeah. how did, what did that do for your business? Oh, it was, it was such a breath of fresh air because I, I remember the last meeting that we did in 2019 was a um, Cyber Huntsville um, meeting with um, a couple of the locals, uh, yeah. local leaders and cyber companies in the, in the Huntsville area. And then literally like a week or two after that, COVID hit, everything's starting to shut down. We all remember that crazy ride. And then Cyber Summit was just fantastic because we were finally, for the first time... You felt like you could breathe. Oh, yeah. You're like, you're holding your breath like throughout all that time and you're just like, okay, when is this really going to happen for me? And then when the Cyber Summit came, you were just like, finally. Finally. We finally, can actually... I can make a name for myself. Now. Exactly. Because, yeah. again, to me, I, I think that's a huge piece of business development is to get out there and actually shake hands with folks and then say, hey, we do reverse engineering, bad systems, pen testing, blah, 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 lots of words, lots of words. Yeah. And actually say, hey, we're out there and meet with other people that understand what that means and say we're out there so you can actually start building teaming agreements getting on a team um the big thing is to get ftes inside the government and then just getting a facilities clearance and none of that is going to be possible in my opinion through an email so it's, it's like very tough to me it's like you nerds unite we all get together <laughs> <laughs> nerds unite 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it's that moment where you're like, yes, I'm following in my, I'm in this group of people that understand me. Right. And I can say a bunch of terminology and and people understand me. Right. Um, and that's something that's really important is really getting to educate people um, because businesses really do not understand how vulnerable they really are. Sure. So sure. it really has to be up to someone like you that can go out and educate the community and go, hey, right. we can do these things. But you don't know that these are happening to you. Right. You have to be the one to step up and say, yes, let me let me express my yeah. terminology. And, Show you and, how I can reduce that risk that you may face. We see it. I've seen a couple MDA RFPs. You know, they're like, hey, um, company, go do this, like, amount of work for us. And in there, we're finally seeing embedded, or not embedded, but we're seeing pen testing, which is fantastic. Because on the last generation of some of the contracts, some of them, not all of them, um, pen testing wasn't even mentioned. And so I hope what's happening is the Huntsville community is going to start realizing, hey, I have this requirement that I have to meet through my customer from the government that requires me to do pen testing. And then Zeiston will be standing there saying, hey, guys, we've been talking about this the whole time. Yeah. We're here. Uh, we're that's here. What we do. We're here, yeah. It's like the who, that's, what is it, the, that story is like, we're here, we're here. You, know, you want to hear your voice and you want to be, you want people to really understand. I want to know. Where did the name Zeisten come from? Because, look, you have to really, you know, it's almost, you know, like you said, it's like one of those unique uh, t- words that, right. you know, but it's really going to be a great statement because once people really understand who you are, mm-hmm. they're going to be saying Zeisten a lot, right? So right. where did the name Zeisten come from? So it's actually a very underwhelming story. <laughs> I wish it was more fancy. But we, we formed Zeiston, and we knew we, what we wanted to do in the space we were going in. And it was almost it was kind of weird because back when we started the company, we're, we're so young. We're like, is this really going to work? Is it really going to stick? And for a while, we were meeting uh, consecutively, and we're all a bunch of software developers and engineers, like you said in the, earlier in the podcast, that putting a name on it was actually like kind of a big day. For me, it was. And I think it was for everybody else. And so we started trying to think up different names, and we used a random name search, and the name came you across. You used a generator, but a name generator. But, but why we chose that word, though? Why we chose that word, Zeisten, is because that is a spear, a balanced spear, and oh. we know what we do in the cyberspace is very offensive in nature. Well, wow. it can be. Okay. It can be a defensive mechanism where, um, you know, there's this missile out in the field. And it's got all these vulnerabilities in it, and we're worried about a supply chain attack happening. But, hey, luckily, Zeisten went in there. We found the vulnerabilities before the bad guys could exploit them. So yeah. you, you already passed your software, so you're in good shape. It works on the other side where if we're looking at somebody else's missile and we found the vulnerabilities in it, then I just gave you a cyber bullet. So there's so you used a name generator to come up with a name that actually was a fit for your business. For, it was a fit. How right. unique is that? I know. We got kind of lucky on that. Yeah, we, we liked the word. We liked the name. And we looked up what it meant. And that's why it stuck. So yeah. the, the name, it wasn't like somebody said, oh, we are a Zeisten company. But we, we found that word. Like you said, it came up research the meeting we're like that's a perfect fit yeah I like so. it mine's just designed by Carla so <laughs> <laughs> well it's a different space you know a little bit of a different mine's background. not as fancy as yours yeah. and so there's like the hidden meeting though it does have a meeting I write it all together right it's never there's no spaces and the reason why I have it together is that it takes a team okay so even though my name is uh-huh. in the business name aha right that right. moment right and the, the name of it together means team right so for me when you 
you when you see it together, that's there, there's a reason for it. It's yeah, because it takes apart. a team to make. Uh, I like yes. the saying: it takes the uh, it takes a team to make the dream work. Well, and the reason why my name is in it is because my dad made me do it. Just so you know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so you, he, you didn't have a choice. My <laughs> my dad was an entrepreneur back then, and, and you know, back when we were like, I've been in this business for like twenty years, and I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, because I was very. It was unusual for a female to be in this industry, right? And mm-hmm. and so back when I started my business, I wanted to come up with a name, and I wanted it to be DBC because DBC 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 Design My Car, right? And so he said no because people need to know who you are, right? And so a lot of times people know me by my first name, which is Carla. They mm-hmm. know sometimes I don't even know my last name. But they sometimes I don't even know the name of my company, but they know my name. Mm-hmm. So I'm always known, hey Carla, mm-hmm. and so which is good because then you have this face that's tied to your company, which is fantastic. And if everybody knows your name, then that that at least tells me, and I'm not like some business savvy person as per se, but it tells me that they're going to be able to say associate you with Design by Carla. Oh yeah, my name is so for me it's important because when you. When you call the business or if you're talking to anybody, you usually are talking to me. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a team of people that do a Behind lot of the work. You. And I've, I've yeah. got a really good team of people. But that is so unique because I really did struggle saying your name. And, <laughs> and then I was like, so, you know, because I'm a Southern girl. We don't always pronounce everything right. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we're not perfect. Well, we'll find out in time if it if it's a good fit or I not. I think it's a great name because there's meaning behind it. Right. And no matter what the name of your company is, as long as you're doing good work and mm-hmm. you stand behind it, your name will is you know just part of you. Right. right? And I hope we hope that it helps stick into people's head because we have had multiple people come back and they're like, yeah, you're the one that's like you got that weird name, the X, the X name. <laughs> you're like. Close enough, you know, we'll take it. You remembered us. Yeah, you're like, X. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, what does cyber really mean to you then? I mean, what, I mean, I know that you've got this passion, you got this drive, Mm -hmm. but how did you even get into this part of the business? Yeah, so that's that's a really good question, and this is where some brashness will come. I don't understand how cyber is anything besides the ones and zeros in in, in a lot of situations. So I did... I did a talk last week at National Cyber Summit. It was just a lightning round. Thank you for everybody who showed up. But we were able to get root on a system, which just means that we had total control over the system. And to me, I don't understand how cyber is anything but that. Because cybersecurity means that you don't want somebody, to me, means that you don't want somebody else controlling your system. Mm -hmm. And I think that can percolate through life because our life has become so interconnected through technology that if somebody has root on your system, then maybe in 10, 20 years as technology evolves, that means I have root on your life, which can be scary. Well, you know, and I think that now that we are putting everything out there, right, mm-hmm. and we're human, we, we think that we're just so innocent and that what we're sharing is okay, and mm-hmm. we're not putting the thought process of what we're putting out there is tied to us all for the rest of our lives because oh, they yeah. don't really understand these data centers now right. are collecting every single thing that we put out there mm-hmm. and everything that these kids share on their cell phones and the vulnerabilities that we're actually putting ourselves into, we are now having to really understand cybersecurity even more. So I think sure. it's, that's where I think the reason why it's such in high demand and there's different kinds of cybersecurity, right? Sure, so what sure. kind of, what, what are the different types of cybersecurity? So what we'll hear a lot about in Huntsville, which, and it has a tremendous amount of value is helping make sure that you have a cyber posture. Do you have um, good firewall set up? Do you, ha- do you use encryption in your email? 
And there's a lot of other people that know a lot more about that, but that's CMMC, which I know breaks down into a compliance. And there's a lot of really fabulous companies. I know John Hart, H2L, they're certainly one of them that does that. And there's many, many others. And they'll help make sure that you are compliant for what the government is saying. Hey, if you're going to build my missile or if you're going to develop my submarine or whatever it may be you may be doing, especially in Huntsville, of course, missile defense is huge, then you have to be CMMC compliant. And that is a very vital and important piece of cyber. Now, for me, yeah. where Zeisting goes after is like you were talking about those data centers that have all that information. What I want to be able to do is regardless of if you're compliant or not, because we have found many vulnerabilities, Solar Winds is one I always point to, um, that was a cyber attack that hit a very compliant agency, the DOD, the NSA. I don't know if the NSA was hit, but I know the CIA was, a lot of the intelligence agencies. Right. You would think those, those agencies who helped develop CMMC were CMMC compliant. Yet Solar Winds happened and a lot of information was destroyed. I remember watching a 60 Minutes clip and I think it may have been the CIA director. He said, we're considering just throwing out all of our hardware and starting over. It was very unfortunate and it right. cost an extreme amount of money. And the point being is you talked about those data centers and all that information. For me, what I want Zeissen to be able to do and prevent is to hack that um, data server. Mm-hmm. And then we can either ransomware all that information or we can steal all that information. Or hopefully well, what we would do is actually protect it. Because those are the kind of people that we need to be defending against. So how do you how do you actually stay? To me, it's like because of the stuff that's moving so fast, right? And mm-hmm. so much information is being put out there, especially with the media now sharing so much more about, okay, this different is the latest hacks or different attacks or hey, I've been hacked or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you stay so informed with what's the latest or how do you how do you keep yourself in in the loop of things that are going on? So for me, it's. You know, regardless if I want to be in the loop on it or not, I am. <laughs> Just because the field... It's in of, your face anyway. It's in my face, yeah. So, like, you know, family, friends, everybody that I know in my circle is like, did you hear about this one? Did you hear about this one? Did you so hear about this So, y'all sit around one? the table and just talk nerd all day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, well, you know, honestly, what we talk a lot about is actually getting in y'all there. Do, and, y'all do, like, robot talk, you know, zero <laughs> It's it's really fun at the office. So, I'm, I'm out here talking to you, but there's a bunch of guys at the office right now who are literally doing an embedded test against some hardware and firmware right now, and they're definitely talking robot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's pretty interesting how, you know, I understand, and I, I don't mean to say, you know, nerd talk all the time, but it really is interesting how it's turned into this part of the industry. Back then, you know, when you were extremely smart or you, you know, you were technically, you know, into this industry, mm-hmm. um, you were labeled, right, a certain way. But now it's like we've come full circle and we depend on people like you, mm-hmm. especially in our business, right, in our business models, um, to, to keep us afloat. Right. Right. So you are definitely that first thing that people really need to be putting behind the, the label of their business going, I need this service. Right. Um, and that's important for you to express that, right? Certainly, certainly. And I, I always want to try and help people understand where it is Zeissen fits. So um, if there's ever a situation where there is a lot of data, a lot of IP, or something very critical like a weapon system, and you need to protect it, and you're trying to protect that against other almost nation-state level threat actors, then that's a, really where Zeissen can come in. Because I know we were talking about this before offline off the podcast, but to me, just going after some random person's watch is kind of, I don't know, not very high level. Or 
it's that's not, probably, it's, it's that's not probably worth, basic for you, right? Well, it can be tough. It yeah. actually, even even that one watch can be very tough. However, once you find the vulnerabilities on that one watch that maybe your friend has, then you found that vulnerability. If nobody else knows about it, that's called a zero day. And then now you know it for that entire line of watches. I mean, we've walked into Costco before, and I can't mention their names, but we'll look at the cameras or other you know fancy gadgets that they like to shove in your face when you walk in there yeah. and we're like we've pen tested that thing yeah you're probably sitting there going oh we've done that and been there right yeah, or been there and done that it's right like, and we like, found a vulnerability on that that yeah. would have given us all the information that that thing or the service behind it stored. do you walk in there and like oh, i got this <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's a little empowering and now i just don't think about it because you do it all the time you yeah know? i've done that yeah, right. further, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, that's pretty interesting because, you know, it's like, uh, it's good to know that you have that knowledge base, but where did you start to, did you, where did the, where did this knowledge come from? Like, yeah. how, how did you start? Yeah, so that, that's another really good question. So for me, um, a lot of people, I think the really good people at this field, which I'm, I'm not, like I'm, I'm pretty good at doing pen testing, and, but there are people who are literally born to do this and they're fantastic. For me, my path is a little bit different than theirs. So college, I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist, and then luckily my father, he's an engineer, he pushed me in that area. Um, I excelled at all the engineering disciplines, math and programming, computer science, and all those facets, which was great. And then I went to a conference called DEF CON, which is out in Las Vegas, and anybody who's in this field knows that that's one of the, it's a pretty good conference for what Zeissen does, and there's a lot of really good talks that go on there. But what really motivated me is I started watching DEF CON talks, and then I actually went to DEF CON, and I'll never forget um, a talk by Barnaby Jack. He's a security researcher, does the same thing that Zeissen does. And he was pinned, he watched a show, and I can't remember what the show was, but it was where one of the vice presidents had a pacemaker. And in the show, a hacker exploited the pacemaker, or they were worried about that, and they were worried that the vice president could have been killed, right? And so he did a real-world example. He watched the show, and he's like, I bet that's actually feasible. And lo and behold, just maybe a couple months later, he did a talk where he was able to um, discharge all the battery power in a pacemaker just using a machine that is used to program the pacemaker yeah. within like 100 yards or something. That's got to be scary. So it's terrifying. Yeah. And that goes back to that point that I was saying, this field, if you can control technology, then in my opinion, then you start controlling people's lives. And in that situation, it was realized. And I think that really shook up the that's industry. A, that's a crazy aspect of looking at it. It's like it's a domino effect, right? Because one little thing can affect everything. It's like, right. You know, and that's a, that's a scary moment knowing the fact that there's these little things that we use for day-to-day, day-to-day uses, right? Mm-hmm. Our mobile phones, the computer, the mm-hmm. things that we rely on. Um, really is a scary thought that one little thing can affect us. And, you know, especially, like, people that are affected by credit card frauds now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's even high now. Right. And the, the amount of information that is being stolen on, about us now. Right. Um, and But you're seeing more and more things happening. We're putting more and more information out there about We definitely us. continue to, to drive keep, in that direction. Even after it affects us, we know that it affects us, but we're yet we're still sharing that information. Right, right. Um, and so that's why security, hopefully it's trying to keep up with technology because even things like self-driving cars, which is uh, becoming a big thing, are AI. And then being able to hack those kinds of systems, find the vulnerabilities in them, exploit them, and then the hacker or whomever controls that system that your life is dependent upon is very um, 
I don't know, it's a very chilling thought, even for me. Yeah. Well, I think that AI is now, I mean, it's still, I think it's definitely something a lot of people are starting to talk about more, even mm-hmm. though it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I think AI is now going to be a driving force of how even businesses are being developed. Right. And so I think that is something to really think about when you're, you know, when, but there's, those are things that people don't think about. So right. the, I think the models of our businesses are changing and how we handle information. Right. And it's people like you that take it to the next level to make us think about what really is going on around us. Right. Because we're not, you know, we were robots, right? And we right. talked about that earlier. <laughs> we did. We we're did. robots, you know, and so we wake up, we get up, we do our job, we go to bed. Our our phones are attached to our hip the whole day. We're just programmed to use that thing all day. Well, and and our younger generation really depend on their phones, right? Right. Um, I I can only imagine. I'm not a parent, but it almost seems like it's impossible for your child not to have a smartphone. Uh, it's actually very scary. Right. So, and I have kids that had their phones, but I also I was very strict too. So, mm-hmm. phones by downstairs by nine. You're, mm-hmm. They did not get to sleep with them, right. you know, because they would be on at one, two o'clock in the morning. Oh, right? Sure, Who sure, knows sure. what they would be doing? Right. But that's that's the thing about it is like you just need to be aware. And I don't think us as parents or even as business owners, we're really aware of what's really happening around us. We we do after it's been in the media. Right. Like, after it's been just, hey, this happened, right? Right. And I've known people that they were legit hacked, which is, to me, it's just so cheesy. But it is relatable because that that speaks to a wide audience, what that that term conceptualizes. And There's some very scary things happening. It was like, there is, like, even, like, our baby monitors and the low-frequency things that we take for granted. Mm Mm-hmm. that people just want to play games, which the hackers love to do, right? Right. They get into these little things like the the baby monitors or, you know, things like that, and they. Oh yeah, there's to, there's a whole website that it is just based around looking into people's cameras that yes. they don't know they're hacked. Yes. And that's like I've never even looked at that website, but I know people who have, and I've seen pictures of it, and that's it's terrifying. They'll show, oh, this is a camera in somebody's room in Germany, or this is a camera in a garage in Chile. It doesn't matter. It's all over the world. And somebody hosts this website just for you to flip through and go look at it. Yes. Well, there is, you know, and of course that comes back to you, right? That goes back to those penetration tests where, you know, these softwares that we're using, mm-hmm. whether it's home-based or commercial-based or government-based, there's still a lot of things that we are just not fully aware of. And I think that's what's scary about Oh, yeah. the, the technology aspect. Not that we need to stop living our lives. No, no. We yeah. just need to start being more aware of yeah. what we're doing, right? And I definitely don't want to be that person that's like, uh, you know, just screaming cybersecurity all the time and shut everything down. No, I mean, we're, we're an evolving society. We're an evolving species. And we're going to be more and more dependent on technology. And all that means is that with the development of that technology, so needs to come the security. Because before, you know, when computers were in their infancy, Security was very much not even a thought because well, it didn't, we didn't really depend on it. Yeah. And, and now there's so many more cybersecurity jobs more than ever, right? But the mm-hmm. problem is you've got to have the skill base to even get some of these jobs, right? Sure, so sure. what kind of skills do you recommend for people that are trying to get into this industry? Yeah, so for Zeisten, um, there's a very specific skill set that we're looking for. And it goes back to what I said the NSA kind of recommends for this field, which is computer science, computer engineering, or electrical engineering, 
And then on top of that, even if you have those engineering disciplines, you can do a lot with those things. So you've right? got to get all these certifications, too. There's different kinds of certifications. For us, we're actually not too worried about it. We don't oh. have a lot of certifications. So, like, CompTIA, Security Plus, a lot of that stuff doesn't mean anything to us because right. that's just a different area of cyber. Right? Okay. Again, huge umbrella term, and there's all these great business opportunities in it, and maybe I'm in the wrong one. I don't know. I'm going to find out in a couple of years. But for us, the only thing that is nice to see, and it's not required, is the OSCP. And that just gives us an idea like, okay, this person has some pretty good background in sort of what we're looking for. So if you have one of those engineering disciplines, and then you just enjoy the security field, Mm -hmm. where you're looking at the ones and zeros and trying to find vulnerabilities in these very obscure software. I mean, when you start going down this path to me, you're just in a very weird, obscure dark place almost to me because you're you're touching stuff that nobody's touched in a long time or it's very old or maybe one developer developed it 30 years ago or 20 years or 10 years ago or five years ago and since then it's just been under the rug and you're pulling up that rug and you're looking and to do that you need to have um, some of those core skill sets yeah i remember back when y2k was here Mm -hmm. and i remember um, having to upgrade all these programs Mm -hmm. um, to these microsoft programs or the newest latest and i remember having to build all the new computers and all the networks and so teaching people that were just workstation type style you know employees Mm -hmm. to these new microsoft computers it was that that was awful different they had no choice you know because right. everybody was scared that the world was going to blow up why <laughs> 2k yeah. but, right, right. but and then it was like the countdown and then it was like okay nothing but right, it was no. we had to get the systems updated updated right. and get everybody on these new programs and export right. like there was this one company i do remember where i had to export i think it was almost 20 years of files oh my goodness to import and export into their accounting programs into their point of sale programs were they trying to back everything yeah up? they were trying to back everything up and then we were trying and it took hours because mm-hmm. they never did a backup oh my gosh and then and then i had to import it all back in and and so that was a lot of work so we learned a lot from that lesson i'm sure well you would like to hope that we did you know like the the computing infrastructure back then if i remember that problem technically it was due to the a variable size that hosted the um time if i remember that correctly mm-hmm. hopefully we learned from that like hey we need to future proof our systems out a little bit more. Uh, but you'd be surprised if people still don't do that though right i mean there's still things that we still don't do right, right. but I think with cybersecurity, we're starting to think that there's no another level what's about to happen to us, or it is happening, mm-hmm. but we're getting more and more involved in what's going to happen to us. Right. So I think that people, companies like you that are coming out and talking about what's going on and educating people more and more, we're, we're starting to really understand that we've got to change the way we're doing our business. Right, because it, it can get, it can definitely get pretty intense when you start thinking about medical devices that people are dependent on. Again, I, I talked about the, the pacemaker and insulin mm-hmm. pump is another big one. Um, somebody was talking to us the other day about doing, I think, a NICU-natal, I'm saying it wrong, some equipment that is used for infants. Yeah, and trying to help. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So, that's, so you could get into one part of the industry and stick there if you wanted to, sure. just, for, just for these small pieces of the industry. Right. Um, now, what other, like, if, when, you t- when you talk about your commercial businesses, mm-hmm. what types of those industries have you been touching or been involved in? Like, what do you, 
what do the those industries look like? Yeah, so for us, we've done some 5G products, which is kind of cool because that's the new wave, oh, right? Neat. Yeah. And then we'll do consumer wearables. So we were talking about the watch earlier, right. and it was kind of scary. We, we were able to do remote code injection, on, which is like the worst, by the way, in my opinion, on children's watches, watches that people would buy for their kids. And that means that, you know, somebody like, if you have the skill sets that we have at Zeiston, could come along, buy that one watch. Oh, I know they're all vulnerable to this. Now I can get all this information on where these kids are because they have GPS-enabled watches, right? Oh, that's scary. Yeah, it's terrifying. I had no idea. I didn't even think about that. Right. So that's that's the kind of stuff that we, you know, we, we're spooked by. We're like, oh, my gosh. And when it actually happens, yeah. it's sad because I've seen it happen to somebody before where they were legit hacked. And in the moment, it was very devastating for them. Very embarrassing, very devastating. Lots of information's gone. They don't know how to control the fire that has just erupted. Yeah. And unfortunately, I was contacted and I said, I'm, I can't do anything about once it's actually happened. So have you, have you seen an increase of, you know, females in this industry? Or are they trying to get more and more involved in it? Yeah. So we really want to try and help break... I don't know if it's a stereotype, that might be too far to say, but there's certainly not as many females as there are males. And it's a highly technical field, but that, I mean, some of the best programmers I knew, um, I'm thinking of one right now, she was just fantastic. And I asked her a long time ago, I was like, why don't you think more women are doing this? And she said, I think they're just scared or something. Or maybe it's the, the field is so dominated. Well, it can be very dominated. I mean, I remember back when I was in my programming classes, mm-hmm. I, it was like me and maybe two or three females mm-hmm. and mostly uh, it was male dominated right um so i would call the the guys would be in the back they knew everything and i called them the jocks of the class the because, jocks <laughs> yeah because they knew everything and you're just sitting there going i don't know anything and you're but, trying to learn and i was just trying to learn but a lot of people were already in the industry mm-hmm. they were already working it but they did not have the degree in it okay. and so that was i think that was uh, another thing that was very difficult mm-hmm. um so these people were going back and getting their programming degree so they were getting cia and CIS stories. And so um, I just kind of fell into this industry. Right. Um, I had the luck of someone giving me a job Mm because when I graduated, uh, there was no job opportunities for me. Okay. And so they didn't have job fairs and people like, hey, handing out a job like candy. So Mm -hmm. when I walked across the stage, it was like, okay, what do I do now? Right. Um, And so I, it was luck. Right. It was pure luck being in the right place at the right time. And I knew a guy that contacted me and says, hey, there's this family business that's looking for someone that could do software implementation and accounting and point of sale software. Would you be interested? And I'm like, sure. Of course. So I started building computers and servers and networks and things like that. And And everything, right? Yeah. I mean, I started getting all nerd out. I was a geek back then. Yeah. I still like you still now. are. You still are. I'm yeah, still we a nerd. I'll admit it. Yeah. I have no problem. I'll <laughs> hold that hat pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I started learning how to do all that stuff, and then it was, you know, taking a chance. And mm-hmm. so. I went upstairs one day in the in the office because I was the only girl around mm-hmm. all these guys. And so I was the only one they would send out to do all the training because they didn't want to do it. Uh-huh. And so I got involved and started talking to people. And then um, I went upstairs and this guy had this monitor up and, and it had like a name, I think a phone number or something like that. And I'm like, what is that? And he goes, oh, it's the World Wide Web. And I'm like... 
ooh, what and is that? And then you want to learn, right? And I was like, what is that? Yeah. And, and then it was front page, right? And uh-huh. I was like, ooh, what is front page? And then I went um, oh, during a weekend and I learned the program for it. And I was like, because I already knew code. Right. Um, and I was like, well... This is cool. Right. And then... So you you naturally enjoyed the process then. I was such a nerd. Yeah. Um, And so I just... I I can... You know, I can read code. I like programming it as Mm -hmm. much as I used to. I used to love programming. Right. But um, I knew that I was meant for something different. And so... I just started, like, dabbling in websites and just... I mean, back then, it was like... $10,000 $10,000 for a five-page site. I'm just kidding. It's kind of in the money. But it was, it, was, it was worth the money because we coded everything. Everything was done line by line. Oh, by yeah. Line, right? Yeah. Back it's, then, like, we didn't right. have all the infrastructure that we have today, like Wix. You can we don't have those pre-made right. templates, which are, uh, I wouldn't say they're bad, but you're kind of forced to do those things now because clientele expect quick design, uh, you know, setups, but they don't realize that... The code is so important when it comes to web design work now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so go, going back to that, I started learning micromedia programs. And okay. so I self-taught everything. I right. was learning Adobe, Flash, were you ever, Illustrator. <laughs> were you ever like, was there ever an intimidation factor for you? You just didn't care or you just enjoyed it so much you never thought about um, it? I got, well, I wasn't scared. It was just the, the fact of not knowing enough. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And it was... Um, just learning how to ask the questions or teaching myself, you know, because there wasn't books back right. then. There weren't classes. Right. And they There's didn't no offer. YouTube, yeah, they didn't have any. Yeah, there was no YouTube. Right. Matter, matter, you got to remember, this was before Google. Right, right. So Google came along. When, well, we used to pull server stats off of, server stats, off of servers. Mm-hmm. And it was like visits, X, you know, 5,000. And that was it. It was really was very generic information. Right. And um, and then when Google came along, they changed the game for a lot of us as far as SEO developers. Okay. And that that model of what they did for us is uh, for design changed how we set up and design websites. And that where that's where the SEO came into. Right. That and you just learn from changing and what was going on in the industry, right? And you're still doing that today. As you have to still do it today. We were talking about it before the podcast, and you were just saying how much work and how they're always changing and it's evolving. It's not the same it was even a couple years ago, Oh, right? gosh, no. I think even, like, the last week. Right. <laughs> it's just changing <laughs> so An hour quickly. ago, but it's like it's changing. The model of our businesses are changing. They're always changing in how we look at websites and how we develop things for our clients. It's like it's... We have to be one step ahead for our clients, right? Mm-hmm. But there's, it's always changing. The model of our business always changes. But for females, I think that getting into learning how to program, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, just do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. Because, and I don't, I don't know if other people feel this way. I, I know very little about psychology, but I heard everybody faces a little bit of an imposter syndrome, like, oh, maybe I don't belong here, or there's this, like, those, there's those thoughts that creep in, like, oh, maybe. You know, I'm not as good as that person or look at they're so different than me. Maybe I can't do this. And I would love for Zeisten to help break down that barrier. Well, I can tell you this. I mean, I can really say this out loud is that I never thought of myself as being an entrepreneur. Right. I never thought I would even get into a, being a business owner. Right. I mean, I, I can remember back when, you know, I was just working an eight to five job mm-hmm. and I would go in every day. I had a little girl at the same, time, same. right? Yep. You go in and you work and you come home. Right. And so I think the, the, and I had dabbled to do some websites on the side. 
side just to make a little extra money, right? right just like right. everybody else does. They they start out as a hobby. Right. And I thought, okay, and well, it turns into and it turns something else. And so I had I had knew I was about to have twins, and I was like, well, wow. what do I do now? Right. And I had my dad, who was an entrepreneur. You know, we had to listen to certain people that influences, right? Sure. Right, who's that person for you? Yeah, so for me, the big one, I'll never forget this, and I heard somebody else say it before, is my father certainly pushing me towards this field. And I'll never forget, even as a young kid, he told me, like, you know, if you do what I do, you can make it pretty well in life, but you're always going to be wearing golden handcuffs, which to me, that's like, okay, maybe there should be a consideration about trying to go find that freedom. Because I can say for me, when I'm working Zeiston, I'm definitely at my happiest. There's this um, fear and a little bit of a danger and a little bit of a risk that's yeah. going on every single day. And you're con- for me, yeah. you try and shut those voices down, but it, there's this, is this going to work? Is this yeah. going to work? Is this going to work? And the only way that you can try and keep the fire stoked is to knock at the door every day. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important because we, you know, we... All as all of us as entrepreneurs, we all feel that butterfly. Mm-hmm. Like we every day, we're like, okay, am I going to get that phone call? Or is somebody going to call and ask for me? Mm-hmm. Am I is my business going to die out tomorrow? And, and I can say without a doubt, I'm still here twenty. I'm at, like over twenty years into this industry, In and I'm like, is this really real for me? Because really, when I thought back, and I can say this out loud, is that mm-hmm. when I had twin babies at the house, I was working, and no one knew what my face was. They didn't know. My, they didn't even know who I was. Right. And uh, because back then it was the identity was not out there for everyone to know about. Right. I mean, I didn't even have a real website for ten years. Right. I think that's a very inspiring story because again, I know we were talking about this a little bit before. But I know a lot of people, and it's no fault to their own, but it's easy to find an excuse not to try and take the voyage out into the ocean, which is entrepreneurship. It's very easy to stay by the fire, work that 9-to-5 job like you said. Yep. yep, go home every day, you get into your routine, and then all of a sudden you look at the clock and you're 55 years old and looking at retirement. Well, I think sometimes it's like even some people that are in their 50s will start a business and they, they go which back. Which is fantastic. Yeah, too, right? Yeah. So um, Mike at Passion HR, he's mm-hmm. a, an example of that. He's one of my clients. He did that same exact thing. He started out at 50. Um, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't hit you until you're later, right? Sure, sure. Um, which is... Or, yeah. I think that's also inspirational. I know another person um, uh, I'd like to look to is Tony Orm. He owns Oasis, Dr. Tony Orm. He had, I think, a pension and everything from UAH. And somebody came along and he said, I had a very forethought. Nobody knew about what it was. I think it was a lot of data processing. And at the age of maybe 55, 60, 65, somewhere in that range, he started this company. And here it is maybe 10, 15 years later, and it employs 150 engineers. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and I think that a lot of times it's all about passion too. Mm-hmm. You gotta have, you gotta love doing what you do. Oh yeah, you and have I, to. I, and yeah. you got, I mean, that's just straight up. Right. And if you're not doing something that you really, truly love doing, you better change it. Right, because it gets hard, and there's dark places all the time. <laughs> I, well, listen, you know, um, have I ever cried in my business? Probably. Maybe not a little bit, maybe yeah. a little bit, okay. but I can honestly say I used to pray when I started out. I would pray every day, going, "Please, there be a check in my in the mailbox so I can feed my babies." Oh man! Right, and so you you but you took the chance, right? Well, you you did, which I think is very inspirational. I really mean that. For me, I'm I'm in a I'm in a different position, and I actually wanted to do this at this time because I said, you know, now's the time in my life I should be taking the most risk. 
And so for me, it's easier. I think for you, that's really inspirational. I mean that because you had two babies that you had to feed, you know? And then for me, I was, you know, an engineer. I had one mouth to feed and engage. So now's the time, right? In 2019. And that's where I'm still at today. So that's, you know, that makes it easier. But for you, you, you broke down that comfort zone and said, I'm going to fight hard to yeah. do this while I have kids. Well, I went to, and I have to admit, I went to take... I did a job interview mm-hmm. during the time when I was in this transition, and I said, "Well, let me just see if this is if I want to go back to a regular, you know, eight to five job." Mm-hmm. And I walked in this building, and I was set up for the interview, and I was a it was a programming job, and I walked in, and I just had this weird feeling of like, "This is not for me anymore." Mm-hmm. And um, there's time, you know, there's times where you go when you're in this industry no matter what it can be a very lonely place because sometimes not everybody understands exactly where your vision is right sure um yeah. and I, and I'm hopefully that can be relatable is that sometimes you have to have a voice of like where where do you want to be and what you want to do and there's those times where you have to sit down and listen to what's being said internally right um and so those are the things that you have to stay in tune for and knowing the fact that that when something is being said or heard you need to pay attention to it a little bit more because that can drive your direction and so was that voice that you had in your head is yeah. that kind of what pushed you to oh yeah you absolutely to? i mean i've been remote for um well over 20 years mm-hmm. but i decided to step out of my comfort zone for the first time and have my own office space and I wanted a place where it was creative and I wanted my team to be able to have a place where they could come to and be themselves and explore and you know and develop their own school base because I was not given a lot of effort what's in my head I'm trying to give it to someone else they've got to take the effort to also learn as well. Oh, yeah. I was a big proponent of that as well, is getting a space where people could come together. I remember in the beginning, especially in software, we could all do it remotely. But for me, I I totally agree with you. I wanted a place for us to come together, let the ideas flow. Hopefully we feed off of each other. And that was one of the big things I pushed in the beginning. And we're we're still here today, which I think was probably pretty advantageous for us because now we have, you know, our office is a lot of fun. Everybody can be themselves, like you said. Everybody can express um, sort of where they think the direction of the company should be going or what we should be doing and how to solve these really complex problems. And then all of a sudden, there's hot sauce everywhere. There's hot sauce. <laughs> I want to know, okay, hot sauce. You you mentioned hot sauce. Like, tell me about this hot sauce that you, um, that, you know, I, I think that you have a collection of this. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I, tell me about this hot sauce collection. <laughs> I don't, like, I think it's cool for... I think it's good for a company to have, like, we need to have fun, and you need to have some sort of an identity associated with it. So we're over here, like, oh, pen testing and what we do and everything. But, like, let's be human and have something that everybody can relate to that's just silly, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And so it was Devin, the CTO and president for Zeiston, and he just started bringing in all these, like, off the wall, obscure, ridiculously hot. I want to know. I want to know. Did you taste? Did y'all taste them? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, like we yeah. we hired another intern um, earlier. Oh, so you tortured the intern. Well, he, that we asked if they're if they're, if they're willing to do this, right? And we had um, to initiate, like, welcome. We had a uh, fresh. Oh, so um, it's an initiation. Yeah, if you wanted to, we don't force anybody into this. I want to be very clear, you know, it's like people are. I would do it. Yeah, would you? Yeah, I'll That's come. Awesome. I will come to your office, and I will 
taste your hot sauce. That'd be great. Because I have, I'm not afraid. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, it's just a. It's, I may not like you at the time I'm doing it. Oh yeah. You're but not, I'm you're, not afraid. You're not going to. And we have like different levels and even at Cyber Summit and we had a couple brave souls that walked up and tried them. And I mean, this stuff is like crazy, crazy hot. But, I imagine. But what we did to initiate, we all had fresh habaneros and we all do it too. We don't just make the intern do it. Everybody has to do it. And so it's just. It's a fun, silly, weird, it's a little piece of our yeah. identity. So, wait a minute. I want to ask you something. So, you and your brother, mm-hmm. and who else is in this in your company right now? So, we have, I think, about seven, eight people. So, we have a contracts administrator, um, Ashton Stafford. She's really great. And then we have my brother, who's doing a lot of the finance for us. We have a couple interns who are fantastic security researchers. And then... Um, we have a business manager who just kind of handles the day-to-day operations of keeping the office going, keeping the supplies stocked, everything we need just to keep things working. That's Justin. And then uh, Devin, he's our CTO and president. And he was very inspirational in starting this company, he and I, because we had both had that shared passion yeah. of what we do with the pen testing world and embedded systems and hacking. And, of course, um, my brother did as well, and everybody who's involved in the company has that as well. But I had been out in the industry for many years, and I thought everybody was going to know about this world, and everybody was going to have an idea because everybody there's all these engineers yeah. running around everywhere. And that's pretty. And, and that I don't mean to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. that's really interesting because what you think people do, you know, in your mind, you're like everybody knows about this, right? Right, right. But in, then then you think about it, you're like, oh my gosh, they don't know enough about it. Right, right. So this is now up to you, right, to start teaching people, mm-hmm. like, hey. One, this is what's really going on. And number two, I can solve this for you. Exactly. So you're the, the well, we were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. the hero to their solutions. Right, which I really like. I like the way you say that. And that's exactly right. And because of Devin and because of myself and this field we wanted to, and throughout a couple of different conversations and networking, here comes the West Coast out in Silicon Valley calling us and saying, hey, we want you guys to do this work for us because we know you get it, right? And right. we feel like we're just like this little drop. Inside how, did that, of how, that, how did that feel? You're probably like, ha, ha, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that moment, right? Excitement of knowing the fact that somebody's starting to really understand that right. we, we've we got this level of, ex, you know, of capability. Understanding. And, right. yeah, and then, you know, it's like nerds alert. Get the hot sauce out. <laughs> get the hot sauce out. Yeah, like everything just <laughs> Celebrate to, with the hot sauce. Everything just fell together all at once, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was really good, and it is a little liberating. And now for us and for me, it's... I mean, we're never going to quit till yeah. the city. So y'all of should be like the superheroes of Huntsville. <laughs> I think that's a that's a little bit of a stretch. Just some very amazing. You know, people you out can there. think big. Yeah, right. That is a big like, thought. Yeah, big thought. You could be walking around with your capes on, drinking your hot sauce. <laughs> drinking our hot sauce, trying to hack everything. So I, I've got the last question I'm going to ask you, and I really enjoyed our podcast together. Yeah, thank you. Yep. So, what is the secret to success? By the way, the secret to success. It's funny because something came to my head immediately, and then I'm I'm trying to contemplate if I really want to say it because it's very cliche. So cliches I, works. Cliche cliches work. Mm-hmm. One, I would say I don't find myself very successful, not super successful by any means. I'm working hard to try and make something that I believe in, and so I think the secrets of success is what you said earlier is to find something that you're extremely passionate about. It helps impact people's life. It solves a problem, and then you got to work your butt off at it. Absolutely. So, 
Well, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast today, pleasure Jared, and and I enjoyed saying your business name like over and over and over until I got yeah. it right. And not that I didn't, I got it wrong maybe the first time, but you did fantastic. Zeiston, Zeiston, Zeiston. So thank you for the uh, the great podcast today, and I thank hope you, we'll Carla. we'll do another one. Yeah, I would love to. You're right Anytime. down the street. Yeah, right down on Meridian we'll Street. We'll go have coffee together. We can and, have some uh, coffee and some hot and sauce. And maybe hot sauce. <laughs> Dab hot sauce in our coffee. <laughs> but um, but I want to say thank you for coming over here today and, and taking time out of your day to, to share your story. Um, this is the Coffee, coffee and Hustle podcast today, uh, Cyber 101 with Jerry Hardy. Thank you.